0: Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 21st, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features Governor Henry McMaster reacting to moves by the U.S. Department of Labor that could result in the loss of millions of federal dollars. It's been more than a month since a new director has taken over at the Department of Juvenile Justice, and we get an update on what big changes are happening at the beleaguered agency. In our ongoing look at infrastructure we talk with ports authority ceo and president jim Newsom, and we have big vaccine news in our medical section along with an update from DHEC. additionally we want to hear your stories so we set up a voice mailbox to hear from you all about your life during these more certain times these are times we want to hear from you we love hearing from you so do it call us get on the phone right now pick it up if you're driving well At stoplight, 803 563 7169. Just trying to absolve ourselves of any liability there. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your life. We want to hear from you. You've heard the the great crock debate of 2021, the candy corn saga of October. What's going to happen in November? It's right around the corner. Let us know, 803 563 7169. Are we coming to Thanksgiving? Please. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 13,412 total deaths, and currently there are 890,003 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of October 21st at 4 p.m. Our percent positive rate is 5.3%. Currently, 858 people are hospitalized with COVID-19, 277 are in intensive care, and 182 are on ventilators. All of those rates are lower than the previous week. Right now, 13 children are hospitalized with COVID-19, three are in critical care, and one is on a ventilator. So far, 54.2% or 2.33 million eligible South Carolinians have been fully vaccinated. Governor Henry McMaster claimed moves by the U.S. Department of Labor were, quote, a preemptive strike by the federal government to penalize employers who do not comply with President Biden's unconstitutional vaccine mandate. Those were his words in a tweet that came in response to the Department of Labor and the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, as we all know it, saying it would revoke the state's workplace safety plan if it refuses to include COVID-19 protections. Such a move would jeopardize millions in federal dollars to the state. So just to refresh here, nothing to do with the administration's pending vaccine mandate for businesses, rather a safety plan the state was supposed to adopt this summer from OSHA called the Emergency Temporary Standard, which included guidance for weekly screening, indoor masking, and paid leave for vaccinations. Now in July, the state said it would implement its own plan, which is required to be the same or at least as effective as requirements from the federal OSHA standards. McMaster called this preemptive strike unconstitutional during a press gaggle this week.
1: Another example of the overreach of the Biden administration, of the things they're trying to do are unconstitutional. I know they're going to be challenged. They'll be challenged here. They'll be challenged in other states by governors and by attorneys general. Uh, this is an overreach. It, it is uh, wrong. Uh, we've been operating as we operate now as, as on a sort of an independent track pursuant to the regulations since 19... 19- I think 1997 or maybe before then. But all of a sudden, they are discovering that somehow South Carolina is out of step. Again, we're going to fight this. It's another example of the unconstitutional overreach of the Biden administration.
0: So like he said, expect some legal action on that front. But switching gears, SC OSHA said it's awaiting the issuance of an emergency temporary standard from the federal OSHA when it comes to workplace vaccine mandates. So... Stay tuned for that, especially those employers that have more than 100 employees. Moving on, the newly appointed acting director of the Department of Juvenile Justice was before a Senate subcommittee this week. In June, Eden Hendrick came to DJJ with others from the Department of Administration tasked with addressing the problems of five years under Director Freddie Pugh, who stepped down September 21st, leaving Hendrick in charge, who said in the next two weeks that she'll have a complete restructuring plan in place at the agency. Though many immediate changes have already been made, especially at the troubled Broad River Road complex, where an employee walkout happened earlier this year. Here's Hendrick.
2: There's been a lot of turnover since we've been there. I think maybe almost half of the employees, one third to a half of the employees have changed. Um, The HR director, the head of the HR department, resigned last week. So we are in the process of completely restructuring and reorganizing and redoing almost everything in the HR department, including in that is a complete revision of the recruitment program we had. All the recruiters that have been there for the past couple of years have now, are now gone. Um, we are trying to do, recruit, not recruit, but um, hire a, an outside company to do a full comprehensive full package recruitment because we're not having very much success without that. Um, so we're trying to secure that as an emergency procurement and go forward with that. We've actually hired someone as a part-time recruitment expert who used to work at SEDC and has experience in recruiting this type of personnel. Um, So we have that person on board and working with that. And again, we have revamped almost the entire way we are doing the hiring process, the posting process, um, the orientation process. Orientation and HR used to be a very long, cumbersome process with new employees having to go several different places to get several different tests. We're streamlining that so it's all one place, one-stop shop. You go to one appointment and you're onboarded.
0: Since taking over more than a month ago, Hendrick is working to right the ship after audits of the agency found consistent problems during Pew's tenure, including increasingly dangerous conditions for juveniles and staff. One big change is moving the executive level staff from an administration building seven minutes away to back behind the fence at Broad River Road complex. Hendrick said she will be the first one to return, but some won't. Personnel changes will continue as the HR department is revamped with the help from HR directors from other state agencies. Kind of like a little teamwork there. An inspector general and internal auditor are the two biggest open positions right now. The finance department associate deputy has left, and there will be a complete overhaul of that department following the recommendations of the Legislative Audit Council report, as well as a deep dive into the agency's budget, looking at how money had been spent, and carry forward funds, which is leftover money that agencies carry forward from one budget year to the next. A lot of this is dovetailing with Hendrick's prior agency experience at the Department of Administration. But one worrisome detail among many is the IT security of confidential information at the agency. Here's Hendrick.
2: Admin has also come in with the IT department. Um, Some of our servers, the majority of the servers were actually held on campus at a barn. And we just didn't think that was a secure place. Um, The juveniles actually broke into that building, kicked in a door, and stole laptops. I'm not hiding anything from that building. And so we just didn't think that was a really good place to keep millions of dollars of servers. And that was the plan of where to put some of the security system that was going there. So I partnered, again, with the Department of Administration. And we are migrating all of those servers to state DTO so they will be in a safe, secure location. We are also contracting through a state term contract to do a complete privacy and security study of the way all of the the information is being communicated between DJJ employees and outside partners. DJJ deals with a lot of confidential information, and so we want to make sure that is all safe and secure. So we've hired um, an outside company to come do a full audit of that.
0: So if you're wondering why all this matters or why we should care about it, think about this. At the BRCC long-term facility, there are 62 children in custody, and in total at all of the secure facilities under DJJ's watch, there are 251 children. At the camps or community placements, there's 166 children currently. So we're talking about 417 out-of-home placements right now out of some 9,000 referrals made during the last fiscal year to the agency. So it's a busy, busy agency touching a lot of lives in our state. Yes, supply chain issues are a pain right now thanks to high demand from consumers. Remember, that's what we do in our economy, we just buy things. But supply has not caught up due to labor issues. Look at truck drivers, for example. And globalization is also an issue, getting back online still from the pandemic that we've been living in now for the past 18 or so months so yes do your christmas shopping now because gifts may be waiting off the california coast for a while so use some planning and foresight there christmas day is always december 25th you can avert a christmas nightmare even though consumerism is not what christmas is supposed to be about regardless that's besides the point now we don't have any ships waiting off the coast of south carolina or any truck jams backing up near the port in fact things are running smoothly and record volume is flowing through even though labor disputes have dimmed some of the recent port capacity that came online this spring with the UK Leatherman Terminal in North Charleston. While Ports Authority President and CEO Jim Newsom gave his annual State of the Ports address this week, we spoke with him previously for our This Week in South Carolina infrastructure special, looking at the growth the ports have experienced in concert with other infrastructure needs in the state. I asked Jim about the new Leatherman Terminal and how it positions the state for growth.
1: What has happened is this is the first new terminal to open since 2009. And the next new terminal, just by virtue of permitting and the other constraints that go into building a terminal will not open until 2030. So it gives us the ability to say that we can add 2.4 million TUs of capacity over a 10 year time frame. When I firmly believe that other ports are bumping up against their capacity or are gonna run out of capacity. So in theory, it should mean that some freight needs to come to our port that was was going elsewhere. What's happened in the pandemic, we're handling record volumes right now in the in the port system. Volumes are up, forget a comparison to 2020, that's the pandemic year, but import volumes are up 16 to 20% over 2019. So there, people are buying record amounts of stuff and most of that stuff's being sourced in, in Asia.
0: And how well positioned are we to handle that growth, Jim?
1: I don't think there's a port that is better positioned in terms of infrastructure in this country than we are. Uh, We've got a new terminal. Um, We've got two great inland ports, one in Greer, one in Dillon. Uh, We've significantly upgraded our existing terminal. We added 700,000 TUs of capacity there. So I I think we are in excellent shape. We're working now to sort of improve our rail infrastructure within the Charleston area. We have an imperfect rail infrastructure because we never did on dock rail to, to Mount Pleasant to Wando and we'll try to fix that with a new intermodal container transfer facility and hopefully a barge operation to serve it.
0: Jim, what does that growth at the Port of Charleston in that area look like when it comes to attracting companies to the area of logistics and how that all works out with the inland ports and taking trucks off our interstates?
1: A bunch of things to say there. Number one, Walmart is building a new import distribution center in Ridgeville. That's really a game changer for us. It's you know three million square feet, about seventy thousand containers, a thousand jobs in Ridgeville. Uh, we're also doing e-commerce transloading in a transload facility on our Wando terminal. So that's a tra- so our growth is going to be in the retail segment. The manufacturers really carried us for the last decade. But this is now the decade of retail and e-commerce distribution. So we've got to get more in the mainstream of that. We've got the facilities to do it. Uh, And the inland ports also set us apart. So you think about it, if if we move 200,000 containers for our inland port network, that's 200,000 trucks that are not touching a road somewhere along the way. I mean, they're partly that way to get to the rail. But say for 200 miles between Charleston and Greer, they're on a train instead of of on a road system. So it does contribute to the reliability of the supply chain infrastructure in the state. So again, I would put our network, our global, our port network in South Carolina up against any in the country today. And I I know we we would win that.
0: Looking forward, Jim, how does all this position the state for the next 10, 20 years and what more needs to be done?
1: Well, we we have spent since 2015 about $2 billion preparing for the future. I mean, this is a long cycle infrastructure business. You know, people ask me during the pandemic, are we going to stop investing? We said, well, no, we build 50-year assets. So we really have put our nose to the grindstone. We spent $2 billion, borrowed a lot of money, got a lot of support from the state. But the result of that is the infrastructure that we have created I mean, we will have 5.3 million TUs of capacity in place by 2033. That's an exceptional amount of growth and should put us in a position to gain share in the U.S. port market as the Southeast continues to grow.
0: Also during his State of the Ports address, Newsom announced his retirement after 13 years at the helm of the agency and after being inducted into the International Maritime Hall of Fame, a lifetime accomplishment for him. Chief Operating Officer Barbara Melvin, who has been with the agency since 1998, will take over July 1st. She'll become the first woman to lead a top 10 US operating port. We saw some big vaccine news come out this week from the FDA, which granted emergency use authorization for half-dose shots of Moderna as a booster for people fully vaccinated at least six months ago and who are 65 and over or who are at high risk of severe COVID or have occupational exposure to the virus. So there's your booster news there for Moderna. Also, anyone who has received the Johnson Johnson vaccine at least two months ago will soon be able to get a second shot. And... Any of the three authorized vaccines you see here can be used as a booster. This is the mix-and-match approach here. So if you got your J&J first dose, you'd be able to get a Moderna or Pfizer second dose or another J&J dose. You know, so you're So three big announcements from the FDA, which we now expect the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to approve. The CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices meets Thursday. That's the day we're taping this episode and could recommend the FDA's authorization, at which point CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky would make the final decision. So all those have not been formally set in stone yet, but we expect that to happen. This is the part of the podcast where things may change by the time you hear it. (laughs) Now back in the state, Dr. Jane Kelly, the assistant state epidemiologist, opened the weekly DHEC press call by talking about the late Secretary of State Colin Powell, and breakthrough cases as well as the latest data on breakthroughs in our state.
3: As everyone is aware, former Secretary of State, Colin Powell sadly passed away earlier this week due to complications of COVID-19. While the passing of any former leader with his renown would make national headlines, his death is rekindling questions about how is it possible for a fully vaccinated person, which he was, how is it possible that they could still die from COVID-19? As our DHEC data and national data continue to show, breakthrough cases and breakthrough deaths from COVID-19 are rare, however they occur, just as breakthrough cases occur with every vaccine preventable disease because no vaccine is 100% effective. However, the overwhelming number of fully vaccinated people who die from COVID-19, which is called a breakthrough death, occur in people who are immunocompromised, meaning they have at least one pre-existing condition that puts them at high risk for severe complications or death from COVID-19. In South Carolina, our data analysis for COVID cases and deaths in the month of September shows that of the 664 COVID-related deaths that occurred, 76.4% or 507 deaths were among those not fully vaccinated. And of the 120 breakthrough deaths that occurred among fully vaccinated people in South Carolina in September, for which we were able to determine vaccination status, all but four of those individuals, meaning 96.7% of those, had pre-existing conditions.
0: Dr. Kelly noted that Powell's underlying medical conditions made him more susceptible to getting sick and dying from COVID even though he was vaccinated. It's a prime example, she said, of how individuals' actions affect others. NPR reported Wednesday that the White House is ready to quickly roll out COVID-19 vaccines for children 5 to 11 if the Pfizer vaccine for that age group is approved by the FDA and recommended by the CDC. The administration said there are enough doses for all 28 million children in that age range. And Dr. Kelly outlined the planning DHEC has in place for when the decision could happen in early November.
3: CDC gave us our planning numbers to expect for the first week that COVID-19 vaccines become available for those ages 5 through 11 years. And beginning today, we are able to put orders in the system with the expectation of receiving our first orders within the first five days of November. We anticipate receiving up to 152,100 doses that first week as a bolus to get us started. And that will be broken down into three shipments. And we anticipate that we will have 60,900 doses that we can order to receive in the state on November 1st, and 45,600 doses we can order to receive on the 3rd, and another 45,600 on the 5th of November. So while we will be prepared, it's important to remember the timeline is not set in stone yet, and no provider may administer shots to anyone younger than age 12 until the FDA issues the emergency use authorization for the Pfizer vaccine for the 5 through 11 age group, and the CDC provides guidance for use in that age group. So no shots to go go into 5 through 11-year-olds' arms until November 4th at the earliest.
0: Dr. Kelly said it will be a school district's decision if they want to partner with DHEC to do any widespread vaccination clinics at schools. So expect a lot of more details coming up once we get that go-ahead from CDC. And Dr. Kelly also gave her outlook for the colder months and said it is unlikely that we'll see a surge on the level of last winter, simply because more people have received the vaccine and that will only be boosted with children getting it as well. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news, even though sometimes we still talk about the news. Don't worry about that. (laughs) We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. That's why we have a phone number that you can call any time of the day or night. It's 803-563-7169. You can leave your name. You don't have to leave your name if you don't want to leave your name. We can disguise your voice if you're so inclined, if you have something interesting to say. We love hearing from our teachers and our medical professionals. Maybe they want to sound off. We're a willing ear to hear from you. 803 <laughs> Bend our ears. D- doth my ear be curious? <laughs> <laughs> As I, like, twirl like a fine mustache.
4: Ooh, quite, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But I hear we have a, a good old leader. A good old leader, leader. calling in.
4: The pre-COVID time leader, mm-hmm. OG, OG lead fellow. You know, he
0: sent us, I have this card in my office, uh, 100 card. It's, you know, 100th birthday card when we yeah. had our 100th episode. And what we like blew through that in like, what, six months last year? To like Do you want to
4: guess what number this is? 666. Six, six. Mm, now you're speaking my language, babe. Now, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is COVID number... One, seven, three, <sighs> which means we're, we're up oh, cl- closing in on three hundred. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, there, there, was, there was, a gap between 100 and COVID. Well, we're was probably there? past 300. Yeah. We might be, but anyway, so, let um, We're to this so call. old,
4: we can't keep track. Once you get on the two hundreds. <laughs> the days have become innumerable. <laughs> we are in the winter <laughs> of our lives. I pass beyond all space and time. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is I will say this is a professional call right oh. here. When I say, uh, first of all, Google could not provide a transcription. Transcription not available, but there are words. I've checked it, okay. and uh, it is three minutes on the dot. Mm. So mm-hmm. I thought I thought Towner went. Oh, I I spoiled it. Spoiler alert! It's Towner, but uh, I <laughs> thought he was going to go over, <laughs> and he really closes it at two fifty. Professional. So yeah, professional level phone phone call here. So here we go.
5: Hey guys. It's Towner McGill, your resident giant redhead from the Lowcountry. I don't think I've actually called in this year, and uh can't believe it. I've been listening to the show, been enjoying it, I've been catching up in uh, multiple uh, pods at once on some long walks and some long drives. Got back to traveling a little bit for work after about almost 18 months of sitting at the same desk in the same spot every day. Um, You know, been sort of taking it easy here this summer after... uh Spent a lot of time working uh, on, uh, I the open carry campaign this spring. Decided to kind of step back and take a little time to myself, uh, hang out with the fam, work uh, on some local causes here in East Cooper Church and, and other things I'm passionate about. And uh, had my toaster crap out, and I got tired of waiting on the air fryer contest. So I actually went out and got one of my own. It is a lovely machine. It has changed the way I cook in the kitchen. So appreciate the inspiration there. Um But, you know, nowadays, really just uh, excited about uh, what's coming ahead here as we hopefully get out of the pandemic, Um, really staying hot on that redistricting tip and my uh, quest to make East Cooper one Senate district. Really excited to see uh, what they will come up with and wondering why it's taking so long. Got a lot of municipal elections down here as well, so spending a lot of time trying to support some good candidates here in Mount Pleasant. And of course, keeping tabs on all of the really terrible parent behavior that we've seen here during the Charleston County uh, School District mass debate. But happy to see the numbers uh, going down. Uh, looking forward to the possibility of younger people getting vaccinated soon and, and maybe putting all this behind us so we can get back to some true normalcy. Um, and of course, spending a lot of time on Saturdays watching my number one Georgia Bulldogs uh, on television, hoping to get up to Athens for a game or two here before the end of the season. And speaking of uh, Georgia, uh, planning to come up to Columbia in January for the big uh, Georgia Carolina basketball game uh, on a Saturday. So hoping uh, I might be able to finally make it up to craft and draft and have a beer with you fine fellas. Anyway, um, wanted to also wish Meg uh, a quick recovery. Looks like uh, Meg Kennard is, is heading back from Houston. So happy to see things are going well there. And, uh, in other news, it's my 40th birthday today. And, uh, not sure whether to be excited about that or incredibly depressed, but, uh, I think when my parents turned 40, they, uh, told them they're over the hill, got a, brought out a wheelchair, told them maybe to ride around in it. Thinking 40 is, is truly the new 30, feeling, uh, better than I did 10 years ago and excited for the next 10 years to come. So keep up all the good work, guys. Look forward to listening to the next several pods and hope to catch up with you soon. Take care. How did he land that plane right there? Man, talk about two
0: fifty nine nine. Landing that plane right in time. <laughs> yeah. Joe Biden takes some notes, baby. Happy fortieth towner, you big red headed goon.
4: <laughs> I can see why you haven't had time to call. You're doing a, a lot of doing stuff. Doing a lot towner. of stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh ATU and I both perked up when he said that he replaced his toaster with an air fryer.
4: Yeah. I, Interesting, I, got, qu- I got questions with that just because DM us. Um, <laughs> i don't think those two things do the same no. thing <laughs> no, no. Well, no, no. no 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 i mean i could see like narrow? a
0: toaster oven but the air fryer. can <laughs> yeah. you even air fry bread we need i don't own an air
4: fryer i'm sure i mean what can't you air fry you know like you yeah. could air fry whatever you want you know but like uh i don't think you could toast in an air fryer if no. you, can, I mean, you can let crisp, us know but i mean we talk we joke about air fryers so much i i've but we never don't, we don't, actually we i've never <laughs> seen all, one i've never <laughs> even touched <laughs> one <laughs> Never touch it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> honestly, wouldn't be surprised if you had one in your back seat in your
0: car. And you're just <laughs> the like, next, I'll that's bring the next in. kitchen oh. appliance to roll around in my back seat. <laughs> I literally have no more counter space between the Instapot and this giant suitcase of a microwave. That yeah. Meg Canard yeah, 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 yeah. told me she respects my egg routine, so I that's think two she's against one. Very that's very polite. I think be very, no. she has not called
4: in and gone on the record, so that was a very <laughs> soft endorsement. Right. She just I did a long one. She, you know, she's she just got back in town. She has bigger things to do. <laughs> I think that was real soft and polite for Meg. <laughs> she didn't have to say anything. I didn't push her on it. <laughs> I bet I, I if I, I wish I could have been a fly on the <laughs>
0: wall there. I'll show you the DM. But, uh, yeah, that's a, a lot going on when we come to talk about kitchen appliances and their usefulness. No, um, but I did see Meg Kennard. She is back in South Carolina. Oh, yes. She's looking great, what? feeling good. I, I, cancer free. I, can I can watch so many like uh, troops
4: getting home and then not cry at those or anything oh, like that. But seeing those. Meg get back and see her kid, mm-hmm. I mean, I, did she break I you? really? It didn't break me. I didn't quite cry. You can tell but us like, if you I, did. Felt, I felt feelings for the first time in a long time. Look watching at that. that. Yeah. Wow, man. I did. That, that, that touched me in a deep, dark That's place. That's the power. <laughs> no, I hate
0: covering those. I mean, I love when the troops come home, but I just. Yeah, totally. Totally. But like totally. when you're taking photos, you're like, oh, I know you're having an emotional reconnection, but can I get your name really quick? The hard part, though, was always covering the deployments because. It's also very sad, and then you don't want to take yeah. up people's like last moments, being like, "Can uh, you spell that last name for me?" <laughs> like, but that's what you had to do as a photographer. It's like you don't just Cause, yeah, you not your job in the newsroom with this great photo, yeah. and they're like, well, who is that?" You're like, "Anonymous ah. says
4: bidding farewell to anonymous." Yeah, like
0: <laughs> uh, that's like those are some of the differences between you know just taking a photo versus being a journalist, folks. I don't want to go on that debate <laughs> about what it means to be a journalist. You can draw your own conclusions from social media. <laughs> Yeah, that's where all the answers are. Anyway, go to this place called
4: uh, www.twitter.com, uh, I've been there. and they have all the answers for you. <laughs> yeah, everything there is real. The- but Gavin, I I need an answer from you. What? I didn't I didn't I didn't uh, let you know oh. about this question. You're but pulling I have a, question a quick one you, okay? on
0: me in front of our friends. This is sort
4: of like the belt question. Okay, oh, love it. I want to know if this is a uh, uh, cursed or blessed. Oh. Okay.
0: Fine line. So I'll tell you. Say right I at the top. I had just,
4: yeah, I just washed my hands. <laughs> my hands were still a little wet, okay, and like freshly cleaned. I mean, they're not getting cleaned. Yeah, there's no were. COVID okay? on there. Yeah, COVID free hands. <laughs> and but I wanted a little bit. I wanted like a handful of chips. Oh, right. God. <laughs> uh, and I didn't want to get chips all over my hands. What? You know. Okay. Continue. So. I used chopsticks to eat like oh seven God. chips. Is that genius or, or, oh. or is that a cursed image in your brain now?
0: You just become more and more elitist every time we talk on this podcast <laughs> and our listeners are taking note. <laughs> I'm straying farther and farther from God's light, is what you're saying? Yeah, like getting closer and closer to 1%. You're like, whatever, whatever. I didn't want to get my hands messy. So I cut I my chocolate wa- bars, whatever. So I
4: started riding a horse tour. So yeah, I have
0: someone yeah. clean my house and do my laundry.
4: <laughs> I don't want to get my hands dirty. I, I, I don't think you've answered the question yet, though. Is it smart? I, think I, did. Did, I did I did. I? Did I crack a code here?
0: If... If I was in your presence when this happened, it would be... slapped them out my hands. Yeah, no, it would have been a slap in my face, essentially.
4: <laughs> oh, you don't want <laughs> me to put my hands in the you? think here? you're
0: better than me because I'm touching the chips here? You're better than me. You think you're better so than you me. So you stopped, though, once the hand became solidly dry.
4: I, I didn't want a lot of chips. Mm. I wanted like seven chips. Very precise. You number. know, yes, like yes. not a lot. I mean, it's, I didn't want like handfuls and handfuls, but I also didn't want to rewash them.
0: Uh, are you familiar with Cheez-Its versus Sandy Hands? Um, it's a beach case. <laughs> I can no. see this being some good precedent for that situation.
4: Mm, okay. Don't okay. put the Sandy
0: Hands. In, ugh, no Sandy Hands on the beach Chopsticks
4: bag. would help better yes.
0: right? So that's okay. a lifesaver. So you're <laughs>
4: saying people should travel to the beach with chopsticks. I got you, yeah. <laughs> or a towel.
0: So, But no, 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 no. Chopsticks. Uh, just one final question. Are you going to be now putting out chopsticks when you put out chips in your house for guests? Um, And will you be judging them if they don't use the chopsticks?
4: I think more, I'm going to be more (laughs) along the lines of uh, next to the sink there's going to be a soap dispenser and a thing of chopsticks. for those for, for those freshly, moments freshly fresh for, for those chopstick moments you know nprs they've got they've got driveway moments i mean i get i get chopstick moments <laughs> it's the same thing <laughs> the same. i see no difference between those two uh, things i don't
0: want to dry my hands any more than i already have yeah,
4: exactly <laughs> now you understand now you're more on my no,
0: side yeah I just try them and then just like wait but yeah that, i can see that the two seconds you're talking about right there you're that's like I need answers. That's yeah, that's advanced right there. <laughs> tell us tell us about your, your chopstick moments, folks. Are you waiting in the driveway right now, waiting to call us at 803-563-7169? Because you should. Because we can't come up with any more of this stuff on our own. Okay. But again, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh do like towner, give us a call. 803-563-7169. Or leave us an iTunes review. We love those. And you can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. That's what's wrong with this country. Panera broccoli cheddar soup, I agree. (laughs)